Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk. How we doing? Morning, those of you that are watching online. Uh, glad you're with us as well. Before we dive into part two, I feel like Matt's like the hype man. Like, I hope part two's all right, because Matt was making it sound really good. Uh, but before we dive into part two, uh, I wanted to, today is a day, we do this once a month, where we have uh, what we call intro to City Walk right after the service. And, and before I dive in, I wanted to just let you know about that. If you're new to City Walk, or if, man, maybe you've been coming a little while and you're like, hey, what would be like my first best step to kind of get connected, learn more about the church, maybe ask a few questions? Intro to City Walk is kind of that space for that. And so about 15 minutes after the service, uh, right in the chapel, so right outside these doors, you're going to take a left, uh, right in the little chapel area. Uh, we meet, it's about 30, 35 minutes uh, after we start, it'll take about 30, 35 minutes. Just a good way to get connected and again, ask questions, very casual. So I wanted to invite you to join me there uh, today after the service. Again, about 15 minutes after the service uh, is when we get started. And so for most of you, uh, probably over the last few weeks, maybe over the last month and a half, you probably, like me, got a chance to spend some time with people that you don't get to spend time with a lot. Uh, you went to the, the yearly office party. Uh, maybe you had some friends in that you grew up with or some friends were in town that you don't get a chance to see all the time, and so you, you got some time with them. Or maybe you did like what I, my family used to do when I was a little kid, before seatbelts, uh, load the kids in the car, climbing all over the place, sleeping all over the place, heading to grandma's house for Christmas, and maybe you got some time with some extended family, whether you went to them or they came to you, but probably for a lot of us, over this last few weeks, We've got some time with people we don't see a lot, and probably a lot of us got some time with some extended family. And for you, uh, that could be really good, or that could be really bad, according to how your extended family is. Uh, for some of you, you, you enjoy getting together, man. You were excited to load the kids up. You were excited to get on the airplane. You were excited to go to the airport to pick somebody up. Because, you, man, you, you love to get together with your family. Uh, they love you. You love them. They want the best for you. You want the best for them. And so, man, you enjoy getting together. When you've struggled, they've kind of picked you up. When they've struggled, you've picked them up. And so, man, it's just a you have great time together. And you enjoy talking. You have great conversations uh, and you genuinely are sad when it's time to go. 
Like when, it, when it's time to get back on the airplane or take grandma back to the airport. Man, for you, it's, it's sad because, man, you, you love your, your family. You have authentic relationships with them. You don't have to pretend around them. You don't have to wear the, a mask. You get to just be who you are, and they get to be who they are, and you encourage and love each other. And for you, man, that's what it's like to be with your extended family. For some of you, you're like, actually, Chris, that's absolutely nothing like it's like to be with my extended family. Maybe for you, man, it's, the story's a little bit different. For, for you, you're not as excited maybe to, to kind of go and spend a bunch of time with your extended family. You're not exactly excited to run to the airport and pick up the crew that are going to be with you for a few days because for you, instead of rest and enjoyment... The time's filled with drama, selfishness, manipulation. Instead of having genuine, authentic relationships where people encourage each other, there's a lot of pretending, there's a lot of posturing, and it's, it's not restful, it's not good, it's not fun. And honestly, when it's time to go, you're not disappointed. You're not disappointed when it's time to get back on the airplane or take so-and-so back to the airport uh, and you're, you're honestly not pulling the calendar out before you leave to plan the next trip. Because for you, man, getting together with that family or those, that group of people, man, it's, it's not life-giving. It's a lot of pretending. It's, it's a lot of, man, manipulation. It's a lot of drama. It's, it's just not something that's healthy. And whether your experience looks more like the first scenario or whether your experience looks like the second scenario, both scenarios play out in large part because of this kind of formula, and this isn't something that's new to you, but, but the formula is this. What we believe leads to what we value, and it leads to our behavior. You can put that up on the screen. Uh, there's what we believe leads to what we value, and that leads to what, how we behave. So, so the reason it's, it's like it is in the room that you're in with your extended family is because there's a certain set of beliefs that leads to a certain set of values that then tends to, to lead to behaving a certain way. And so if you're, if you're, the room that you're in is full of manipulation and if it's full of drama and if it's full of pretending... It's because there's some beliefs that have led to some values that just play out in behaviors and, and vice versa. If you experience man, great things and if you experience great conversations and if you experience authenticity and all these things, it's because there's, a, there's people in the room that have a certain set of beliefs that it leads them to value certain things and it, then it plays out in their behavior. And, and this is true for individuals. This is true for businesses. This is true for nonprofits. This is true for churches. And it's why at the beginning of this year, we're taking a few weeks here in 2024 to remind ourselves from God's word what we value. Because we really believe that our values should be driven by what we believe. And that our values should, in this case, be driven from God's word. And, and if we have the right beliefs and the right values, it will play itself out in the right behaviors. And so we thought, man, it would be really helpful to remind ourselves 
from God's word what we value. So last week we talked about the the value of courage. And and, and we walked through how from God's word we have a value at our church and hopefully as individuals to be courageous people. Today we want to talk about another word that's a value of our church and I hope is a value of yours. And it's the word authenticity. See, just like families can create healthy and unhealthy environments, so can churches. And some of you know exactly what what I'm talking about because some of you have literally told me about people that you love dearly, family members that you love, people in your life that, that you love dearly that have walked away from the church, that have walked away from religion for a season because of how they were treated by Jesus followers. Some of you have told me about how how there's people that you love that, man, they have literally walked away for a season because of how they were treated or the environment that they experienced when they went to church and they've walked away. And maybe for you or you're watching online, you'd say, Chris, that's not somebody I love. That's my story. My story is that, man, I, I went somewhere where I thought I'd be loved and cared for and, and, and be able to really lean in. And, and Chris, for me, I was treated in a, in a different way than what I expected. And it, it didn't draw me in. It actually pushed me away. And so as we talk about authenticity today and as we relate it to our own lives and also to the life of our gathering, our church, here's what we mean by authenticity as it relates to our church. Our gathering is a safe and welcoming environment for anybody struggling with anything. Let me read that again. When we say authenticity, here's what we, say, what we mean. Our gathering is a safe and welcoming environment for anybody struggling with anything. We don't value authenticity because we think it's a cute word. We value authenticity because we believe that's what God's word teaches us to value. There's a passage, and if you have your Bibles, you can look at Hebrews chapter 10. And there's a, there's a passage in Hebrews chapter 10, and Hebrews is, is one of the books of the Bible that we're not sure actually who wrote it. There's a lot of opinions about who actually was the person that wrote Hebrews. But though we don't know who wrote it, man, there's a lot of really, really good stuff in Hebrews. And there's a portion of scripture in Hebrews chapter 10 where the writer, he's speaking to a group of Jesus followers who were kind of tempted to go back to their old way of life. And maybe you can relate with this. He he was writing to a group of Jesus followers, and in their case, they were tempted to go back to a way of life that was a very kind of legalistic, it was a a, a way of life that kind of earned favor with God, where you had to check all these boxes, and and so they were tempted to go back to kind of a works-based relationship with God, And, and so the writer, he's writing to them, and instead of kind of calling them out and being like, dude, y'all are idiots. Why, why are you doing this? Get your stuff together. What he does in Hebrews chapter 10 is he talks to them about how they can encourage each other, each other as individuals, to, to walk and to really take hold of God's best. He, he doesn't scream at them and yell at them and you're an idiot and get your stuff together. Instead, he says, hey, let me explain to you how 
you as a group can build relationships that will actually help you move towards God's best other than what you're tempted to do and move back into your old way of life. And, and here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 10. And maybe you've, maybe you've heard this passage of scripture before. It says this in Hebrews 10 verse 24. It says, and let us consider one another. So first, first phrase, really important phrase. He says, let us consider one another. So instead of focusing on ourselves, which is natural, it's natural for all of us to kind of put, our, put the focus on ourselves, the writer, he starts this portion of scripture by just saying, hey, think about and have concern for other people. So, so consider others, consider others, think about them, have concern for them. And then he says, he tells them why. He says, I want you to do this so that, he says, in order to provoke love and good works. This word provoke, it, it means to incite, it means to stir up. He says, I want you to think about each other. I want you to consider one another. I want each other, you, you be on each other's hearts. And I want that so that you can provoke, so that you can stir each other up to do good things, love and good works. In our house right now, we have, uh, we have three dogs at our house. If you've been to our house, we have uh, two, Opal, and we have Daisy. So Opal... If she looks miserable in this picture, it's because she is, because she's about to have babies. Uh, and so Opal is our Bernadoodle that's about to have babies here in about a week. Uh, and then Daisy is our puppy that we recently got, and she's going to be kind of in our, my wife and uh, has a friend, they're partners in a breeding business. And so uh, Daisy is the kind of the next one in line to be miserable uh, and have some babies and, and pay college for my daughter. Uh, and so, but, but if you've ever had a puppy and a grown-up dog in your house, you understand what the word provoke means. And, and here's what happens a lot at our house. You'll have Opal, and she'll be kind of laying around and literally just sprawled out trying to get comfortable. And then you'll have Daisy just, I mean, just, if it sounds annoying, it is. Uh, and just poking at her, poking at her, poking at her, poking at her. And it's such a good picture. She's provoking her and like just wants her to play and wants her to get like do doesn't want her just to lay there. And, and usually Opal uh, lays there for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, if we're not in the room, all of a sudden we'll hear like. Rawr, 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 rawr. And we realize, well, Opal's been provoked to the point of anger. And now Daisy has stopped doing what she's doing. But, but you know, and, and if you have little kids, you understand this. If you got a couple, if you have a demon kid and a couple nice kids in your house, like I know some of you do, based on your, what you tell me, uh, just kidding, but, but uh, you, you may have that one kid that just, they wake up in the morning just waiting to like, how can I poke and prod and mess with my brother or sister, and, and they just know all the buttons to push, and, and so, man, they provoke things in your family. Well, what, what? The writer is saying, is saying, hey, I want you to think about each other. I want you to consider one another, not so you can provoke anger or provoke frustration, but I want you to provoke love and good works. I want you to help each other, stir each other up towards those things. See, we need people in our lives that are thinking of us for the purpose of helping us. 
And we need to be that for other people. We don't need people in our lives that use our failures or weaknesses as weapons to kind of hurt us or tools to kind of prop themselves up. And and maybe you've had some people like that in your life as well. And we don't want to be that type of person either. We want to have people in our life and we want to be the type of person that stirs people up to God's best for their life. The writer goes on and he says this, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing. So he just says kind of an obvious statement. He says, hey, you got to be together to encourage each other. So don't neglect getting together. Make it a priority to be together so that you can stir each other up. And he he goes on. He says, but encouraging each other. Don't, Don't neglect being together, but instead of that, encourage each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching, he's basically saying, hey, time is short. Jesus is going to return. The end of life isn't far. So as as the day is approaching, don't don't get lazy. Don't think you have forever. Like like this this is an important thing. And I want you to spend time together so you can encourage each other, so you can stir each other up, so you can help each other move towards love and good works and what God's best is for you. See, if you're a follower of Christ, you joined a family. And do we have some crazy uncles in the family? Yes, we do. We have some crazy uncles in the family, just like you probably do in your your regular family. I mean, there's always going to be some crazy uncles in the family, but if you are a follower of Jesus and if you read through the New Testament, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see that God created us to enjoy our relationship with him in the context of our relationship with his family. And it's really hard to have real relationships with people when everybody's wearing a mask. It's hard to stir up love and good works. It's hard to encourage when you don't even know what people need encouragement for because they're all acting like they got it together. So this this value of authenticity, you see how it it plays out as we try to do what Hebrews says and, and not necessarily always think about ourselves, but consider each other so that we can love and we can stir up and we can encourage. And that means we've got to be together But it also means that when we're together, we actually have to really be there. Not like the fake self, but the real self. Paul, in in another passage of Scripture, he kind of talks about this idea in Galatians. And so we do know Paul wrote Galatians. and, and, And Paul, he takes this idea of authenticity and the importance of relationships and how they're vital to us growing in our faith He talks about it and maybe takes it even to another level. And he says this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says this. He says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing. So this idea of overtaken, it's the idea of being apprehended. It might be being taken by surprise. It caught red-handed. Like they've been apprehended. They've been overtaken by something in their life that they're doing that's not helpful, that's sinful. 
He says this. He says, you who are spiritual. So you're like, oh, wow, that, is that me? Is, is that like only the you know, few? Do you have to get a paycheck from a church if you're going to be in that category? Like, what does he mean by that? He means people who are followers of Jesus, who are trying to walk with God, not perfect people, not proud people, don't have it all together people, but people who are genuinely trying to follow God, walk with God. So it's not like a special category, like, hey, am I varsity, JV? No, if you're a spiritual person, you are a person that is a follower of Jesus, not a perfect follower of Jesus, but you are genuinely trying to walk with God, do what he wants, have a relationship with God. He says, hey, if you have someone who's been overtaken in a wrongdoing, who's been overcome by sin, apprehended by sin, you who are spiritual, he says, uh, shame them. No, that's not what it says. Avoid them. No. Treat them unlovingly as like a second-class citizen because they struggle. No, that's, that's not what, 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 what does it say that spiritual people are supposed to do? Restore. So it doesn't, doesn't say shame, doesn't say treat unlovingly, doesn't say, man, make them move down to the JV team. No, it says restore such a person with a gentle spirit. This idea of restoring is the idea of mending. When you break a bone or your kid breaks a bone because the, the one person in your family that's provoking actually provokes someone and gets hurt. When that happens, you take them to the doctor, and, and hopefully you have a doctor who is going to gently restore, is going to mend, going to set that bone, going to help mend that bone. In, in this society, fishing was a, a big deal. I mean, like a, for a lot of these people, this was like their life. And so in their mind, this idea of mending was like mending a net before you go fishing. And this is what the writer's saying. He's saying, hey, you who are spiritual, you who are followers of Jesus, I want you to restore, I want you to mend, I want you to repair. And I want you to do it with a gentle spirit, not a haughty spirit, not a, well, you deserved it spirit. No, a, a gentle spirit. Watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. He said, man, it's just, there's just no place for pride. It's, it's, a, it's an act of humility knowing that, you know what? At any point, I could fall myself. And I'm not just saying that because that's what you're supposed to say, but inside you, you know, you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm just one stupid decision away from destruction. So I, I need Jesus today just as much as I needed Jesus 10 years ago. Like, I need Jesus. And, and, and so, man, when you go to restore and you do it gently, you do it with humility and not pride. And it's this whole idea that, man, if we're creating authenticity, this can happen. If we're an authentic person that, man, is a humble person, is a gentle person, that people know that they can be real, they can be themselves, they don't have to put on a mask before they come to meet with you. Because you're just not going to get anything done if nobody in the room's being real. And so Paul, as he's writing, he's talking about how, man, the body, followers of Jesus... 
man, this, this should be the safest place in the world for people that are struggling. Because it's, it's full of people that understand that they could struggle at any moment and have struggled. And instead of having a, uh, hey, there's a section for you to sit in and a section for you and the spiritual people sit here. No, this is, this is about, man, we are all imperfect people going after a perfect Savior and we're doing it locked together. We're doing it arm in arm. When you're struggling, I'm helping you. When I'm struggling, you're helping me. It's an authentic relationship. And this is what Paul's talking about. He's talking about restoring and doing it gently. And then he says this in verse 2. He says, carry one another's burdens. It's really hard to do that if you don't know the person. Or if they pretend that they always have it together. Or if you pretend. It's really hard for people to do this with you. If you're the type that, man, when you enter the church building, you put the life's all together mask on. It's, it's, it's tough. And, and, and here's what I think Paul was saying. So every single one of us has just burdens, just life. I mean, just life brings about it burdens, and, and it's just part of life. But then there's certain times in our life where, man, we have burdens that are extra, your family's going through, we have families right now that are going through tough seasons. Different things have happened. And, and these are not just the normal burdens of life. These are, man, extraordinary kind of big burdens. And I think this is what Paul's talking about. He, obviously, we all have burdens, and man, we need to encourage each other in those. But then there's some burdens that we're just not meant to carry by ourselves, and so we're to carry one another's burdens. And when we do it, he says, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You will obey Jesus when you love others and help them carry burdens. See, as we lean into relationships with other people, what happens is our faith grows the family of God is better, and we're obedient to Jesus. See, an individual or church that values authenticity should be a greenhouse for spiritual health. Man, if, if you enter a church or you have a conversation with somebody who genuinely values authenticity and who is a follower of Jesus... Being around them or being in that church should be just like a greenhouse for spiritual health. Where, where you can bring what you have, you can bring your burdens, you can bring your struggles, and you're just in an environment where you can be real and people are going to help you and encourage you. And it's just, you, you can do nothing but move forward because of the, the encouragement of people around you. You're, you're, it's a greenhouse. But kind of in the other way, if, if we're in a place that doesn't value authenticity or we're with a person that doesn't value authenticity, it's almost like that person or that place is an obstacle, not a greenhouse to spiritual health. See, if, if people don't feel loved and safe to be honest about their life and their struggles, I mean, we're just kidding ourselves if we think we're helping each other. 
Like if, if I got to come to this place and I got to, before I get out of my car, reach back and put the, pull the mask out so that nobody in this room really knows Chris Fincham, like who am I really kidding? Like I just need to go get an honest job and stop this thing. And if, if what you have to do, whether you're watching online or here, is, you know, every Sunday just kind of pull the, which mask do I need to wear today and put it on? I mean, thanks for coming, but I don't know that it's really going to be helpful to you. If we're not authentic, if we're not real, if we don't value authenticity, I don't know that we're going to really see Jesus change us. And, and here's what we're not saying. See, valuing authenticity doesn't mean we take sin lightly. It's actually the opposite. We take sin very seriously because God does. See, he he hates sin and the fact that it separates us from him so much, he actually sent his son to rescue us from its power through his death and and his resurrection. Valuing authenticity means that we are a safe place for anybody struggling with anything to know they are loved and find hope from their sin. Like if you can't be who you are, if you can't be honest about what you're struggling with, you're never going to find hope for change. At least not in that place. A few, few minutes ago, I mentioned two types of families. I mentioned that type of family that, man, when you go, it's like, man, you just love being there. You, you have great conversations. You know them. They know you. There's real relationships. You laugh. You cry. You're supported. And you're sad to go. But then I also mentioned the other kind of type of family, and that it's maybe the opposite of all those things. And whether you find yourself kind of in a family where that second reality is your reality or whether you find yourself, it looks more like that loving, authentic, those relationships, no matter which one you're in, we would all say, man, I would much rather, I mean, I would value greatly authenticity, love, encouragement, realness. Man, I would love that. And the reason a family, an individual, or a church is safe and encouraging and life-giving is because of what we said earlier. Because what that organization or that individual believes drives what they value and then it plays itself out in their behaviors, how they treat people. Our gathering, we want it to be, as I've said earlier, a safe and welcoming environment for anybody struggling with anything. And you know what? Whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, that's a pretty easy thing to cheer for, honestly. Like, oh yeah, of course. Of course that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Oh yes, of sure. But, but the, here's the bigger question. We could all cheer for that and like, oh yeah, that's the way. I, wanna, I don't want to be a part of a bunch of a fake church and I'll pretend all that. But, but here's maybe the bigger question that determines if a church is like that or not. And here's the bigger question. Do I personally value authenticity? Because a church, a school, a business, 
It's made up of individuals. Do I personally value authenticity? Maybe as you think about this, think about your own self. You're like, maybe that's a good question, Chris. I mean, I think so. I hope so. I want to. Maybe. Not sure. How would I kind of know? Well, let, let me give you a few thoughts. Let me give you three, three questions that I, I always want you to, if you're brave enough, I want you to just to answer them honestly in your mind. And based on your answers, it'll at least give you maybe a better picture of like, do I really and personally value authenticity? For the first question is just honestly right from one of the verses we talked about. And here's the question. What do I stir up in others? Every one of us stirs up, provokes something in other people. Do I stir up, like when people get around me, do I stir up shame? When people get around me, do I stir up frustration? When people get around me, do I stir up a desire to follow Jesus? Do I, do, do I stir up love? Do I dis, stir up peace? Like when people are around you, they're either being their real self because they know they can be with you because you stir that up in them. Or they know they got to walk on eggshells around you and they have to say certain things and not say certain things because like, yeah, they love you, but they can never really be themselves. They can never really say what they, they, they feel. And so what do I stir up in people? It's a good question as you think about, man, am I authentic? Am I a safe and welcoming environment? Do I create that? Can people be honest about their struggles? Well, do they know that I'm going to love them? I'm going to help them move forward without shaming them or getting angry at them or making them feel like second class. Like, what do I stir up? You've been around some people that stir up great things, and you're so thankful for those people. They stir up a desire to love Jesus. They stir up love. They stir up a desire to be generous. But then we've all been in relationships are around people that man they stir up things that aren't good so what do you stir up the, the scripture says this stir up love stir up good works provoke people to do those things Isn't the second question man this is a pretty straightforward question do i struggle with pretending like if you read through the Gospels and you kind of follow the life of Jesus through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and if you, you really read through those, what you're going to find is that you're going to see that Jesus seemed to lean into people that were real. He, he seemed to lean into people no matter what they struggled with, no matter what they were afraid of, no matter what sin they had had in their past. He, he seemed to lean into those types of people. And the people, again, read it for yourself, the people that he seemed to man, not lean in and to and the people that, that were kind of frustrating to him were people that were the pretenders. And so the question that for ourselves is like, do you pretend a lot? Like, did you feel like you had to pretend when you came here this morning? Will you go to the family thing at lunch and will you pretend? Will you go to the job tomorrow and pretend? Will you go to the classroom you're in, you're a teenager, and will you pretend? 
because, man, you're, you're, you're never, nobody really knows the real you. And, and, and for, that could be for a variety of reasons. Somebody may have hurt you deeply, and so you're afraid to be yourself. I'm not putting it on you like it's, it's your fault, but I'm just saying, just be honest. Are you a pretender? Do you struggle? Maybe you've never thought of that, but think about your last week and the environments you were in. Were you you? Or did you find that, man, every environment you went into, you left more tired than you should have be because you had to fake it a lot? It's just a good question. Again, if we're all going to be fake, then we don't have to ask questions like this. Like, well... Just, let's just pretend together. But I think, there's, it's, I think there's better for us. Last question. And again, this is just a... It doesn't mean you're authentic. doesn't mean you're not. But it's just good questions to maybe evaluate. Here's the last question. Who are the people in your life that know you and encourage you to follow Jesus? So who are the people in your life, and this is really important, that know you? Not know your name, not know a lot about you, not even that are in your family, but really know you. That know what you struggle with, that know what you're afraid of, that know you. Who are the people in your life that know you? And, and then the second part's real important too, because you might have a lot of people in your life that know all those things, but who is it in your life that knows all those things and is encouraging you to follow Jesus? is encouraging you to walk towards God's best for your life. Here, here at our church, one of the environments that, that we've tried to create that, for me, I think it's honestly the best part of our church, that really is an environment where we, we hope this happens, and I see it happen a lot, is our city groups. I, I really do think it's probably the best part of our church is our, our small groups, and those, those small groups are created for to create, and again, just because you're in a small group doesn't mean you're authentic, but it creates an environment where you can be authentic. If you're a student, that happens on Wednesday nights. If you're a student or you have children, they're in a small group environment where people are really trying to get to know them. I love it. My, my daughter talks to me about her small group, and she's 10 years old and, and has people in her life that are trying to find out who Kate really is and help her walk and move forward in her walk with God. This past week, and we had somebody say this earlier in our, our huddle before church, we had uh, one of our teams say, you know what, I, I poked my head in youth group this past week. And he said, I'm so happy that our church talks about real issues that kids are really dealing with and doesn't shy away from the hard stuff. And he said this, because I'm really thankful that one day my little kids are going to be in that kind of environment. So Wednesday nights, that's where that happens. That's where, again, nobody, not necessarily authentic and all that just because you're there, but it just creates that environment. Our, our city groups for adults are, are basically, we have 10 groups, they meet different parts of the city, and there's 12 to 16 adults in each group, and, and each group is, is kind of built around social interaction, like we want, we want like, and we had somebody in our group say it this way, I actually have people to sit with when I come to church now. I, I know 12 or 14, 15 people. 
We, we want it to be a, a place of spiritual growth where, man, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or somebody who's still investigating faith, you can come to that group and, and grow in your walk with God. And then we, we serve together. We do things together. For us, Lori and I, we're in a group on Wednesday nights. And uh, I, I love our group. In fact, our group's starting back this Wednesday night. And for us as a couple, like we are closer to Jesus because of the people in our group. Because we're in a group of people where when we're having a rough week, we can be honest. We can encourage other people that are having a rough week. We can pray for each other. We really know each other. And, and I just love our group. And you know what? And I'll say this. About 50% of my Wednesday nights, I don't want to come. What? Dude, isn't this like you're supposed to be marketing groups? Probably 50, maybe, maybe sometimes higher than that. I just want to stay home, honestly, sometimes. But I don't. I come, and I'm always, 100% of the time, I'm glad I came. 100% of the time, I leave encouraged. I leave, like, built up in my faith every single time. And I'm so glad that I came. And so, so here's, here's the question. Whether we like it or not, we need each other. Like, like we don't need the pretend version of each other. We get enough of that from other places. We need the real version of each other. And when we value authenticity in our relationships, here's what it actually does. It actually makes us more grateful for Jesus. Because there's always hope. If I'm real with you and you can be real with me, man, there's so much hope. And it, it makes us value Jesus more because it doesn't matter what's going on. There's always hope in that conversation because of Jesus. It makes us grateful. And so we, we can pretend or we can obey God. We can take our mask off. We can get serious about God's best for our life. And here's the thing, and I say this all the time, we will never regret God's best. You will not get to the end of your life and think, wow, man, God, he just really didn't come through on that one. I wish I would have done it the other way. And, and let me throw this out to parents. Let me, I can barely see some of you, so I'm not, not thinking of anybody, but I'll just, it's not even in my notes. I can just see lights, but... If we want our kids to value authenticity, we want our kids to value relationships, then they have to two things, see us do that, and we have to create an environment for them to be able to come to us and say what they need to say and, and be honest. If, if our home and they see us as parents, it's everything's pretend and it's always fake. And when we leave that meeting, we're always talking bad about that person. And they see us be, be funny and fun with this family and then we're talking bad about them later. What we're creating in their minds is this is how life goes. And it's killing them. And so if we want to create an authentic next generation that, that, that is not turned off by the church, but knows they can run to the church because the church is a place that is safe and welcoming for anybody struggling with anything. When they have a friend that's struggling, I've, 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 had, a, I've had 
people literally say this to me, that there's been instances where they've had people in their life over the years that were struggling and they were afraid to take them to church. I'm like, what in the world? Why? It's because the church is full of people that pretend. And so why would they take somebody there that really struggles? And so as we, we close this morning, I want to encourage you as we, as a church, try to value authenticity. And here's what that means for us. When we're here, when we're in uh, Edgewater here in a few weeks, when we plant other locations and all that, here's what it means. And you should know this on the front end. That means it's going to get messy. It's going to get messy. That means you're going to sit in a room with people that probably have a different way of doing life that are just struggling and they're leaning in and they're trying to figure it out, but it's messy. And we don't want to ever be the person that, man, that just because of the way we are puts on a front that actually turns people off that desperately need Jesus from coming to the place where they should feel most safe and welcome. And so let's be a place and let's be individuals that value authenticity. Because I think Jesus did. If you read through his life, you see that the people with the biggest struggles were the people that leaned in to him. And he leaned into them. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you... Because of what you did on the cross, we can just be real about what's, what we're struggling with. We can be honest with you on our best day and on our worst day. You're not going to love us less. You love us the same unconditionally. And I pray, God, as, as individuals that we would create an environment in our church, but also just in our homes and in our workplaces where we can be the safe place. For people that are struggling, that don't know which direction to go, we can be that safe place where they, are, will, they will be given hope, where they will be encouraged, where they will be appointed to your best. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you would say, hey Chris, man, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I man, made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe it was a few weeks ago, maybe it was a lot of years ago. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, let me, I just want you to think about that question. Like, are you a person that values authenticity? Do you find yourself pretending a lot? And maybe you would have never said that or you wouldn't have called it that, but as you think about it, you find yourself, man, I do find myself pretending a lot. Man, what, what would your life be like? Maybe just in this next week, if you were able to stop. What I, what I found out is if God lays something on your heart, some way that he wants you to move, some direction, he wants you to do something, change something, he usually is pretty specific. And so is there a, is there a tangible step that you can take this week to move towards authenticity in your own life. Maybe for you it's, yeah, just there's a few honest conversations I have to have. I've just been 
not real with some people, and, and there's some people that, that love me dearly that just need to know what I'm really going through. Just haven't told them. I just, this week, I just need to have some honest conversations. Maybe for you, it's, hey, I, I do. I do need to, man, jump in a group this term. I need to get my kids to their groups, and yeah, we just need to take that step. Or maybe it's something else. Just it's, There's a tangible step. There's a thought maybe that God's putting on your heart that would just help you move towards authenticity. Would you just say yes? Would you just say yes? Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you would say, Chris, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I've never believed in Jesus, never taken that step. And for you, man, the first really best step is to just be honest with God. And, and here's what I mean. It's just telling God, God, you know what? I, I admit to you, I don't have it all together. God, I admit to you, I've, I've not done things your way. I've sinned. And it's, it's really the first step to moving into a relationship with God. And so if you're here with your head bowed and eyes closed, or you're watching online, maybe you're listening to this on a podcast, and you'd say, Chris, I, I need to take that step. Well, right where you're at, just, just be honest with God. Just your heart to God. Just tell God, God, I admit to you, I've sinned. I admit to you, I've done things my way. God, I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose from the grave for me. I believe that. And then just ask God, God, I want a relationship with you. Would you come into my life and save me? Just tell him. If you're here this morning, or you're watching online and, and you did that, as I was praying out loud, you were talking to God from your heart to his. Now, we would love to know that. We'd love to know We'd love to answer questions that you might have about your relationship with God. And so if you made a decision to follow God today, if you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a decision card you can fill out. And if you're here this morning, you can, right in front of you, there's a card that says decision. Just fill that out, put it in the offering basket on the way back in the lobby and we'll, we'll call you this week. Just want to answer questions rejoice with you make sure you understand what you did and uh, it'll be it'll be a great time lord i thank you i thank you that we serve a god that loves us on our best day on our worst day we serve a god that doesn't use shame as a tactic but is a unconditionally gracious loving just father and wants nothing more than intimacy with his kids and God, I pray that we would lean into authenticity with each other and with you. In Jesus' name, amen.